covering the Green Bay Packers training camp all summer long. This is CampCast, a Midwest Communications podcast. The old gunslinger was back in the Green Bay area last week. Brett Favre returned to receive the Distinguished Service Award at the 19th annual Lee Rummel Sports Awards Banquet. When Favre was first approached about being the honoree, he jumped at the opportunity for the Hall of Fame quarterback and the longtime Packer Public Relations Director had a very unique and fun-loving relationship. While Favre has won an awful lot of awards during the course of his career, this one was really meaningful. Yeah, um, I got more Lee stories than I probably have of anything. And, and for, all the, for all of you who know Lee and go, go way back with us, you, you know those stories and, and what Lee was all about. Um, just a remarkable man, tons of knowledge, obviously football knowledge and Packer knowledge like no other. Um, and really, that's why I'm back. Uh, Ed Martin had asked me, and Ed's a good friend. Um, and of course, Lee will, will always be, uh, will hold a special place in my heart. So, uh, yeah. And it, it, it's, it's nice to come back and, and in a setting like this, laid back, and it's not too serious, tell a few stories and have a few laughs. And I know Lee would be grumbling and would frown upon it, but that's what we love about him. Favre continues to while away his time at his estate in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. He's a grandfather two times over, and a third is on the way from daughter Brittany. And with his youngest daughter, Breely, now on her way to Southern Mississippi University to play college volleyball, Favre and Deanna are empty nesters. Yeah. I was hoping we wouldn't talk about that. Time flies. Um, the good thing is, is she's close. I don't know if that's good for her or good for dad. But, um, you know, it's, it's tough. I mean, because for all of us who left home, went to college or whatever, or have had children leave, um, you, like trying to tell your kids, well, when, like I tell Breely, I said, you know, we're going to miss you. She said, Dad, I'm just going right down the road. And I said, well, when you leave the house for good, it, yeah, you'll come back, get your clothes washed, or you, you stay over, get some breakfast, whatever, but it's never the same when you're in the house full time. Full time. So um, I know that. I, now I know what, what Mom and Dad were talking about when, when we left. They're like, what's the big deal? Um, but it is a big deal. So we got two grandkids at home. We got another one on the way that could come any day now. And let me tell you, uh, it helps to be 21, which I'm not 21. Um, I, I, I get out of breath pretty quickly. Um, they're, one's a bull in a china shop. The other one's got a armful of books with, with him, which he didn't get that from me. <laughs> the club and the ball, the other one running through cracking windows, and that's more like me. The third one, we don't know what he's going to be like yet. But So we got enough to keep us busy. Um, and now with, with Breeley starting volleyball, and uh, not sure if she'll redshirt this year or not. That, that remains to be seen in the next couple weeks. But if she's playing, I mean, we're going to be three, four days a week. We'll, we'll be driving to wherever to watch her play. 
and, and enjoying every minute of it. But Brett also talked a little bit of football, and Aaron Rodgers piqued his interest when he mentioned the possibility he could play well into his 40s, something Favre did over the course of his 20-year career and says, I think he could do it. It may be harder than I think, but I think uh, I think we're seeing more of it. Um, and I may be wrong, but I, I think we're seeing more of that today. But more importantly, I think you're seeing more productive, not just playing. I think there's a difference. It's great if you play to your 40, your 43, your 44. But the quality, um, I would I would think uh, Aaron would have. Why stop at 40? You know, I mean he 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 moves around as well as anyone in the game right now. That's 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 big. Um, the less you're hit, you know, Tom Brady's a different player, but they protect him well enough that, you know, he's not going to scramble for much. Um, but I, I see no decline in, in Tom other than he's getting older, but he doesn't look like that. And I think Aaron, um, I don't know what is Aaron, 33, 34. I would think that he barring any injury, um, and he knows how to protect himself. Six, seven years from now is a long time to think that far down the road. Uh, but there's no no reason why he couldn't play and play at a high level for more than, I mean, I'm not going to say 43, 44. I mean, it's, it's up to the individual, but I don't see any decline in his game that, that would unless he just doesn't want to play anymore. Green Bay Packers have been blessed with Hall of Fame quarterbacking for a generation over 25 years, but Brett Favre has only one Super Bowl ring. Aaron Rodgers has only one. Uh, should this franchise have a little bit more of that? Have they underachieved in any way? Uh, I don't think about it as much now. And, and it's, it's more kind of directing my focus to something else because – when I was playing, you had something that you could do about it. You next year would have a chance. It's always next year. We, but once you're done, you know it's done. And so, uh, you know, I, th I always think about what Marino did his first year. What a tremendous year! Goes to the Super Bowl, and I think every one of us in this room, even knowing the outcome are still shocked that they never went back. Like, that, that can't be true. But yet it is true. And if someone as good as Dan Marino, you would think, would have won a Super Bowl. But yet he didn't. And I think that, that in itself tells you how hard it is to do it. So many factors go into winning and losing other than the individual performance itself. Obviously, Aaron has carried the team for a long time. I don't see why that, that, that's not going to change. But that in itself is, is not enough, at least it hasn't been. Um, and it's been pretty good. So uh, as, as good as he is, I would, I, I would have thought that they would have won more than one by now. Um, but I don't know if he can do anything else to, other than what he's done up to this point. So... Um, you know, it's always it seems like one piece of the puzzle is missing, and you don't know what that is until you get it, like a Reggie White. Um, you know, ah, that's what we needed. And 
remains to be seen what that is, whether it's a draft pick, free agent, letting someone go, a coaching change. I, you know, I don't know. Um, so it, it, it'll be interesting, but I think I think all the pieces, to, to from what I can tell from the outside looking in, all the pieces seem to be in place. Um, they're going to score a lot of points. I, I, I would think so. Defensively, Dom Capers is, I think he's excellent at making the defense opportunistic. Might give up a little bit, but um, pretty crafty. So be interesting to see. I mean, I, you know, a bold prediction to me would be the Rams winning the Super Bowl. A not so bold would be the Packers. I mean, that's a that's a that's not a popular choice. That's just being realistic. I think they have a good chance. Well, with Brett Favre around, you know you're going to get some great stories. And now that the Packers are in the midst of the 2017 preseason, Brett just couldn't resist talking about some of his preseason memories, including his first appearance as an NFL player. I, I, I think, as far as NFL is concerned, I think it was in Fulton County Stadium. Um, and we played Tampa Bay, I, I want to say. And I just remember getting the worst road rash on second base that you could ever get. And I thought to myself, this is pretty cool. <laughs> I knew I had a long career coming after that. No one else did, but I knew I did. I remember playing in Tokyo. Well, always, I'll always think about that one because it was Hasselback's first preseason game. And I got to tell my Hasselback story. Hasselback's like, never, you know, we're getting ready for a game. And uh, he's like, kind of whispers to me, he says, does anyone wear butt pads? <laughs> and I said, what do you mean butt pads? You know, he said, you know, like the ones that they, you snap in. And I said, are you serious? He said, yeah, I'm serious. I said, no one wears a butt pad. We don't even wear hip pads, which that was kind of new when I got into the league. No one, no one wore them. So he's like, all right, all right. Well, guess what he hurts? His tailbone. I, like the only time in, in history I've ever heard of a player hurting his tailbone. And it just happened to be in a game that he's asking me, do they wear a, a butt pad? I'm like, no. So he had to ride home 15 hours on the side on this Japan Airlines the whole time, like, like they don't wear butt pads. So. And the memories lasted until his induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame last August. And he still has the Hall of Fame gold jacket, but if you ask him where it is or if he wears it anymore, yeah, you're going to have a problem. My wife is back there. She would know exactly where it is. Where's, where's my yellow jacket? You know, I've tried to get it to take it out to dinner, and she just refuses to let me wear it. I actually, I think it's in it's in her closet. I think um, I have not worn it since the the ceremony, and I think there's all joking aside. I, I think there's probably two ways to look at it. Kevin Green actually, um, I've gotten to know very well, more so after. His son plays at Southern Miss. They're in Hattiesburg a, a fair amount. Actually, he's coaching now uh, again. But he uh, he went to Southern Miss's football, their bowl game last year in New Orleans, and he wore his gold jacket. And I personally wouldn't wear it. I, I kind of feel like you shouldn't wear it. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense. But, but then I'm not going to argue with Kevin Green on why he should wear it. So... It's like the Super Bowl ring. You would, 
every time I see people who who have never been around me, they're like, hey, let me see your Super Bowl ring. And I, I, I don't have it. It's put up. I don't, I don't wear it. Um, not that I, I'm not proud of it, but I'm pretty careless. So like the gold jacket could easily get spaghetti sauce on it. Uh, and that may be taboo, um, but it's put up. I, I, of course, I'm not a coat. It may surprise you, but I am. Uh, I'm not a tie guy, uh, so uh, I don't. I don't see myself wearing it very often. Now, I mean, you never know. I could change. Life of a retired football player. Happy retirement, gunslinger. For the Green and Gold Campcast, I'm Mark Daniels. I met these couple from uh, Kansas. How are we doing? Yes, amazing. It's so much fun. Glad to be here. What's your name? Jocelyn. Calvin. And what part of Kansas are you from? We're from Manhattan, Kansas. Sporting Jordy Nelson. Kansas boy, Jordy Nelson. On the count of three, give me a Go Pack Go. One, two, three. Go Pack Go! Welcome back to the Green and Gold Camp Cast from the Packers Training Camp. I'm Mark Daniels. A preseason game in the books. We're about halfway through training camp. Thought this would be a good time to kind of revisit how this Packer roster might be shaking out for the 2017 season. We'll start offensively. No problems with Aaron Rodgers and really no problems with Brett Hundley so far. But Joe Callahan doesn't seem to have the same pizzazz that he brought to the Packers with some spectacular preseason play last year. And Taysom Hill looks like a fine throwing prospect, might be best suited for the practice squad. On the offensive line, it looks like a seamless transition from T.J. Lang to Najari Evans at right guard. Although it'll be seamless with the Jari's experience, they're going to lose, I think, some of Lang's toughness up front with that offensive line. Everybody else will be intact. Running back battle has been interesting all summer long. Ty Montgomery is the lead back, at least for now. But and Jamal Williams, a fourth-round pick out of BYU, has really emerged among the other two draft choices, Aaron Jones and Devontae Mays. Jones looks like he probably has the best speed to the edge in the running game, but Williams is head shoulders, the strongest runner of that group. I expect him to get an awful lot of action over the remaining three preseason games, and he will be a big part of this Packer offense, I believe, right from that Seattle regular season opener thing that strikes me about the tight end position is the number of targets that the quarterbacks have thrown to these guys all throughout training camp. Uh, whether it is Martellus Bennett, Lance Kendrick, or Richard Rodgers, those three have seen an awful lot of passes headed their way, and they've been making a lot of plays. And the Packers continue to stockpile at the position. Bo Sandlin went down with a minor knee injury. They went out inside Emmanuel Bird, a rookie from Marshall. Uh, they've got a lot of numbers there, and uh, I think all three of them are going to be very busy. I would think maybe a combined 80 catches, maybe 10 touchdowns of that tight end position. It is a favorite weapon of Mike McCarthy's. And halfway through training camp, it's been a favorite weapon running the offensive plays at practice. As for the wide receiver position, it's going to be interesting. you got the top three back, and there's a lot of players jockeying for those final spots, beginning with the holdover veterans, Jeff Janis and uh, Trevor Davis. But the two draft choices have each had their moments, D'Angelo Yancey from Purdue and Malachi Dupree of LSU. You throw in a guy like uh, Michael Clark, who is clearly the tallest of the wide receivers, and even Max McCaffrey, uh, practice squatter last year. They've all shown up from time to time. It's just a matter of a numbers game with that wide receiver position as to how many the Packers are going to keep. If they go six, 
Well, then you're going to see the top three of Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, and Devontae Adams, and then you're going to see probably three more. Well, it's probably going to be a combination of the holdovers and the newcomers. But I think uh, uh, both Yancey and Dupree, while they have flashed, could be very good candidates for the practice squad for this Packer team, especially considering that Davis has been utilized as a return man for both the punt and kickoff game uh, throughout much of this training camp. Well, let's flip it over to the defensive side. Well, no more Latroy Guyon released by the Packers last week, but I'll tell you what, Dean Lowry, the second-year player from Northwestern, may be the most improved player that I've seen in camp, and it has shown up, whether it was some family night or even a little bit against the Eagles last Thursday. So with no more Guyon, uh, the Packers are going to lean on Lowry and Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels inside, and Ricky Jean-Francois, a well-traveled veteran, also going to be in the mix, and I think those will be your interior guys on this Packer defensive line. Just haven't seen a whole lot from Brian Price, who got up on the active roster a couple of times a year ago, and, and not much elsewhere from the young free agents. And with Montrevious Adams out of action probably well into the season, uh, there is going to be maybe one open spot on that defensive front. Linebackers, the Packers have got to like the numbers that they've developed at this position, both inside and out. And especially when you consider they're throwing in a lot of uh, hybrid and uh, nitro looks. That's the formation where they bring Morgan Burnett down into the box or rookie Josh Jones into the box. Uh, but Jake Ryan, Blake Martinez, still going to see plenty of repetitions at inside linebacker for the Packers. On the outside, you got Clay Matthews and Nick Perry, obviously solid. They'll be counted on to deliver the bulk of the pass rushing pressure. But J. Ron Elliott and Cotter Fackrell both expected to be a part of this team. Elliott, I think, is ready to emerge as a guy that's going to be into the rotation. He's had a very steady camp. Fackrell, they say he's bigger and stronger, but it, I, I don't think it's translated well onto the practice field through the first two and a half weeks of training camp. But there are numbers at that position, just as there are in the secondary. And the coaches have been raving about how Quentin Rollins has made the biggest jump from uh, last year to this year. Of course, he had the surgery last year. He said it was one of the most painful things he had to ever experience, and it impacted him down the stretch, obviously. But he's been back, and uh, secondary coach Joe Witt said a week or so ago that Rollins is the one who's been making the plays, and the guys who make the plays are going to be the ones on the field. But Devon House shaking off a hamstring injury. Uh, Demarius Randall uh, looked like they're going to be the starters on the corner. And then you're going to see plenty of Rollins, perhaps, maybe, maybe taking uh, over for Randall on the number one position at the outside cornerback pot. And then moving Randall inside of the slot position. But Latarius Gunter has been there as well. Kevin King and Josh Jones certainly look like they belong at this level. Two and a half weeks into camp now. Uh, King has gotten a lot of reps with the number one defense. He's been able to hold his own. He seems fluid. Uh, twisting, turning, and going. And Josh Jones has just been all around the ball. He's going to be figuring a lot in the Packer plans this season. So I think that's kind of where we stand. I just don't see a whole lot of undrafted free agents making this roster. It's going to be very difficult. If I had a guess, maybe Jeff Gray, who will feature on this camp cast a little bit later on. He's the offensive guard from the University of Manitoba. Uh, but really, Don Barkley and Jason Spriggs are the other two backup offensive linemen, and no one else has really emerged. So we'll have to wait and see. And the rest of the collection of uh, undrafted free agents, really haven't seen anyone, maybe other than David Clark, who made some great high point grabs last week in practice with an opportunity to maybe crack that 53-man roster. But with a 10-man practice squad this year, a lot of those guys are going to be sticking around as the start of the 2017 season fast approaches. From the Ray Nitschke Field at training camp, 
with your Green and Gold Campcast. I'm Mark Daniels. Where are you from in Alaska? No, I'm Alaska. Yep. How did you become a Packers fan? We have a lot of friends that are Packers fans. They invited us down one year. We came. We like the hometown feeling, the publicly owned brand, and, and fell in love with it. And we've come back every year since. What are all the big sports teams in Alaska? What does everyone cheer for? We got the Nome Nanooks. They're a high school basketball team that we cheer for. Uh, that's about it. <laughs> we don't have any. We were Seahawks fans for a while until we came here, and then we had to, to switch. David, what do we say about the Seahawks? Go back, <laughs> It's house divided. We're at a Packer tailgate party. What's your name? Brooke. Mark. Dude, where are you from? I'm from Madison, Wisconsin. Can you tell me why you have the wrong jersey on? Uh, I'm originally from Pennsylvania. I was born in Pennsylvania, and I have to stay stay committed to the Eagles all the time. I don't even know why she brought me here. <laughs> it's, it's house divided. What do you do? I don't do this. <laughs> well, hopefully we're Packers win tonight, right? Yeah, they better. Give me a go, Pack, go. Go, Pack, go. No Eagles. All right, sweet. There are all kinds of interesting stories at Green Bay Packers training camp, but one of the most interesting belongs to Jeff Gray, a 6'5", 315-pound offensive lineman who signed as an undrafted free agent with the Packers back in May. Gray attended college at the University of Manitoba in Winnipeg. He's only the second undrafted rookie free agent out of the University of Manitoba ever to sign with the National Football League. Two weeks into his first NFL training camp, had a chance to visit with Jeff Gray. He told me he's holding his own. I think it's good. I definitely feel like I'm improving with each practice, and that's what I'm really going for. I know like I'm not the first practice isn't going to be necessarily the best and just improve from it and feel good physically. So kind of give you the backstory. I mean, uh, how did you know how many teams were interested in you? How'd you wind up here? Um, basically I went to the East West Shrine game and from there I was able to have my own pro day, so I had like I think it was ten teams, maybe a couple CFL teams, maybe some something like that. Packers were there obviously at my pro day and then I had a pre-draft visit here. I was kind of going into the draft like maybe late round draft pick if not free agent something like that so as it went down to it I was kind of talking to a few different teams in the later rounds to try and line up with free agency and just having the visit here and kind of meeting the coaches and everything it just felt like a good fit for me. Were you kind of aware of T.J. Lang's departure, J.C. Treader's departure, those kind of things? Um, like my my agents had looked at yeah. like just like it is a number game, right? Like you're not going to try and go to a team where you have to have confidence in your ability to make the team, but at the same time you're not going to have 20 offensive linemen on a roster or anything crazy like that. So, like it wasn't definitely we looked at the numbers of it and like. And just with being such a like a draft and develop type program, that seemed like a good fit for me as well. Are you really off the radar playing collegiately in Canada or not? Um, from the NFL's perspective, yes and no. Like every year, there's a few top guys that make training camps, and if they do well, they'll they'll stick. So, CFL wise, I was one of the top prospects. So the CFL does covers the CIS very closely because for the CFL draft you have to be the national status so it's generally CIS players but uh so what do you think you got to get done for you to be here in September I think it's just continuing to learn at the rate I'm going as as long as I keep that up like all the, my footwork it's just a matter of adjusting to different angles different timing and stuff like a lot of the zone run game 
I'm used to the defender being further back, so you'll, for example, take three steps and then read the hip of the defender, whereas here it's one step and read. So it's just adjust to all the different timings and the techniques and everything like speed that. Speed it up, so speed it yeah. up. Right, right. Yeah. Um, it is, um, anything else, a little more complicated, you know, all of the technique work from, you know, hand placement, footwork, everything, is that just a quantum leap from, from what you've done? Or? Um, well, I think the big thing is really is just with my university program, we only had two paid full-time coaches for the entire team. Like, I had an assistant offensive line coach. He has a day job, so just the the amount of people they have breaking down film, going through it, like, f for us, it was like kind of you'd get out there and then, like, your indie would be like, oh, what are we going to do today? I don't know, figure it out. But, like, here it's they know weeks in advance what they're working on. So it's a whole other atmosphere, but uh, it's definitely benefiting my learning. Sounds good. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Keep an eye on number 74, offensive lineman Jeff Gray from the University of Manitoba. He just might have a chance to come south of the border, stick with the pack. What city in Texas are you from? League City, Texas, outside of Houston. What do they seriously think about the Packers in your neighborhood? Ah, actually, they're, they like, I actually had a lot of buddies that came up here last year for the Texans game. We, I came up here, it was fun, we sat around, I actually saw several people from, from our town up here for the game. It was a lot of fun. What's your name? Logan. Logan. Dude, you get, you're at Spacker game day. Can you get excited? Logan. Logan. All right. Lizzie. Lizzie. All right. Where are you from? Madison. Matt, you're a Badger fan in Packer territory. We're, we're all right with that, right? Oh, yeah. Of course. How long does it take you to, to do this? It takes about 40 minutes. Been doing it for about 20-some uh, years. I've been adding stuff to it every week. I add something new. I got a lot of people that say, hey, what's new that you added this week? And they got to find it on me. And Let's talk about predictions for the season. Oh, gosh. I'm, I'm thinking, I, I, I'm going to go at least they're winning 12 of them. They're winning 12. Yeah, I'm thinking about 12. Welcome back to the Green and Gold Campcast from Packers Training Camp. I'm Mark Daniels. And look who's here, Kurt Manaphy, studio host of the NFL coverage on uh, the Fox Network. Welcome to town, Kurt. Thank you, sir. How are you? How did you work your way out of the, the studio to actually get out on a practice field and watch a little football. Well, it's what I try and do uh, August of every year. I spend the first couple of weeks going around visiting teams at training camp because I'm in the studio the rest of the year. If I don't do it you know, during camp time, I don't get to see guys. I don't get to see new guys, new coaches, new places. Um, and so for me, it's fun. You know, it, it's, it's a different city every day. You wake up in that hotel room going, okay, where am I? And you know, you're on a flight that night. And flight, you know, you know, summer travels like flights are delayed, all that stuff. But you know, but it's it's well worth it, absolutely. So, what can you glean by just kind of reacquainting yourself with either Mike McCarthy or Ted Thompson or Mark Murphy or watch a couple of snaps from Aaron Rodgers? You know, there's a couple of things. First of all, um, let's start with the standpoint of when you see a team. First of all, you read about a team. It's much different when you see them in person. You know that. Um, you get a sense of, of who's in shape, who's not in shape. You get a better sense of the depth at certain positions, you know, rather than just kind of reading uh, d uh, depth charts. Um, but also, it, it gives you a chance to kind of talk to coaches and players, especially veteran players that you know. And they can give you a good sense of the team and who's looking good, young guys, new guys, how things are fitting in, what they've changed from last year to this year, uh, you know, some of their expectations, things that they've done that, that really lead to good storylines as the season goes on, but also gives you more in-depth knowledge about the team. And also, I mean, it certainly benefits me from the standpoint of, again, you establish relationships with players and coaches all around the league, and they change from team to team, year to year. Uh, and you need to pick up the phone sometimes or drop somebody a text. And this way they don't go, well, God, I haven't heard from you in five years. You must want something, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So it kind of keeps the name out there, and you, you know, call it sometimes it's 
kissing babies and shaking hands, but you know, it's it's part of the part job. Part of the job. Part mm-hmm. of the job. So, how do you think the crew is going to react to Ted Thompson actually going out and signing what five, <laughs> six free agents? I know they lost a bunch, yeah. but he finally went out and signed some. Yeah, losing free agents hasn't been a problem for them before. I mean, they've lost them. Replacing them with other free agents is, is an issue, and so this is something that's really, really different for this team. But I, I think when you look at it. This was a team that was right on the cusp last year. And I think they've got every reason to believe they're an elite team right now, one of the best in the NFC, uh, if not the entire NFL. Um, But there were a couple of holes, particularly at running back and in the secondary, and they went out and tried to plug that. And it seems as though they got a bunch of young guys, but they brought in some veterans along the way to help with the offensive line. A guy like Jari Evans, who's a pro's pro. I mean, this is a guy people around here will learn. Uh, is the epitome of a professional football player and still a good player. Uh, Martellus Bennett is a guy who is a better blocker than people give him credit for. They get wrapped up in all the antics and and his pass catching. He's going to add that element that I think this team's kind of been looking for consistently since Jermichael Finley. You know, they've had Richard Rodgers or a guy who can show up here or there, but not that guy who can be a consistent threat. And when you look at Bennett and Rodgers and also Lance Kendrick, I really like the, the tight end position. So I think they brought in some veterans at the free, uh, as free agents who are guys who will be good in the locker room, but who are going to bring a little bit different element to the team than they've had in the past. And I think not a lot of people, they all saw what happened in Atlanta, but mm-hmm. I don't know if they realized just how beat up and inexperienced yeah. that secondary was. It can't get any worse. No, no, not only the secondary, but, you know, you... Ty Montgomery, yeah, he's the lead dog right now, but, I mean, you know, yeah, he played running back in college a little bit, but, I mean, this is not who you want to have your as your bell cow. Um, so it was the running back position that was beat up. It was the secondary that was beat up. The offensive line was so beat up at one point. You know, I mean, they're playing defensive linemen in the game, you know, and this is the NFC Championship. So those are positions they had to get deeper at, they had to get better at, and they had to get younger at, too. And, and so I think they accomplished that at all three of those spots, which were probably points that they were worried about if they wanted to go forward and make that next step. Tell me about the chemistry of the crew. I've known Howie for a long time. Love talking to him. Jimmy, I covered, obviously, when he was coach of the Cowboys, you know, straight and everything else. Just, it, you guys have a blast. Yeah, we do. I think that's it right there. We have a blast. We, we try and just go, you know, if we're having fun, people at home having fun, are having fun. And it seems to be the case. You know, this is my 12th year on the pregame show, the 24th year that we've been on the air. And we've been number one every single year. I mean, that's unprecedented, not just in in football, but in all sports to be the number one pregame show. But um, I think it's just because we like each other. I mean, we genuinely spend time. We have a boys weekend we do every offseason that we get together that people don't need to know about. I was just (laughs) going to go there, but we'll leave it there. (laughs) But, you know, also along the way, we visit one another. Like my wife and and Howie's wife text each other like high school girls. Um, You know, our families are friends. We go to dinner together, you know, whenever we're in the same town. Or we'll go make specific trips to hang out as couples or as families and those kinds of things. So when we show up on the air on Sunday, it's not like we're pretending that we're friends and that we like each other. We genuinely are people who love one another. So what would create friction on the set? Just a, a point or a debatable topic that can just set everyone off? You know, I, I think the respect is so mutual and, and, and the love is so real that the only thing I can think of is if you get too far down on Howie about one of his boys and the way they're playing, you know, because he's got Kyle who plays for the Bears and, and Chris is now with the Eagles. Uh, that might be the only thing. Otherwise, everybody just laughs it off. So does Cutler have an out clause now? Are the Dolphins <laughs> here to get back with you guys? Or? Uh, that's an interesting one. We'll, we'll find out. Yeah, we'll find out. Kurt, it was a pleasure visiting with you, and uh, best of luck with the show this year, and uh, hope you can get back to Lambeau sometime. Thank you so much. You know, last time I was here in the postseason, uh, yeah, I, I think it was the NFC Championship game against the Giants. 07. Oh, yeah, Favre's yeah. last game here. That I've been to Antarctica before. 
And I still say that is the coldest I've ever been in my life. So hopefully, and for your sake, for my sake maybe, if I get here again this January, can you get one of those days where it's like I, I 65 yeah, somehow? Well, you know, the day before the ice ball, it was actually beautiful. Yeah, it was like sunny and 30 and it comes fast. And that's what everybody says, but it doesn't do you any good when you got to sit outside on game day. So we'll see you down the road, but just keep it warm. Just an extra heater on your sideline <laughs> you know, set when you're there here for go. the NCAA game. There we go. Sounds good. Thanks, Kurt. All right. With your Green and Gold Campcast, I'm Mark Daniels. Super Bowl! Super Bowl! Go Packers! Go Packers! Go Packers! He may live in Texas, but his team is in Green Bay. What's your name? Lawrence Lutsky. Lawrence Lutsky, but you're from here, right? Born and raised in Green Bay. But now you get a chance to hang out in paradise, right? Where's that? South Texas. Padre Allen. Oh, take me back home with you. What's your name? I'm Mary Lutsky. Mary Lutsky. Well, thank you so much for coming back up and partying with us here in Titletown. This is my brother Andy, and he's a huge Packer fan, just like all my sisters and brothers are, and he couldn't make it today, so we turned him into a sign. <laughs> I'm from India, never heard of the football, all the NFL. Ever since we've been hearing about the football, we always associated with soccer, not the NFL. And we came, we came to work here in Green Bay, and then heard about the NFL, especially the Green Bay Packers. And I saw the first game and have been a fan since. And it's been fantastic. This is like my first game here in the stadium. Oh, my prediction, we're, we are going to do awesome this year. I'm so excited. One huge Packer fan, always will be. Going all the way. We're so excited to be here. Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! Super Bowl! Super Bowl! Hi, this is Mark Daniels from Packers Training Camp. In advance of the preseason opener against the Eagles, head coach Mike McCarthy met reporters one last time. And he talked about the exact, inexact science of trying to get every healthy body on the field. Obviously, evaluating your players, really staying focused on creating opportunities for um, to, to assess where you are and, and where they are and, and continue just to um, try to work as many different combinations as possible. He says he's most interested in trying to find the right personnel combinations to see how the young players interact with certain veterans. There's just so many different variables that go into that. I mean, every, I understand everybody wants to know how much this player or that player is going to play, but it's really the combination of players is the way, the way that we've always done it. Uh, the ability to play uh, certain guys together or playing certain young players at a, at a certain time, hopefully to, you know, who, who they're going to be playing against. So. Uh, you, you try to line it up the best you can. And if they get into specific game situations, all the better. Brett Hundley runs a two-minute drill, for instance. That would be great practice against a live competition. You, you hope you get every possible situation you can in these games because it's, it's definitely an opportunity for your players. Preseason situation calls could, can be a lot more difficult because more thinking goes into it. Uh, I'll, I'll have a meeting with, with the quarterbacks, and we'll go through, hey, what are your first thoughts? You know, we're... You know, in the end season, you're talking to one quarterback about that. So then, you, then you get into situation calls. You know, what's your top third one to five? Now, now you got four guys. You got um, then there, you may be calling a play because you're maybe trying to get the ball to a certain player. So it's there's a lot more juggling that goes on in the preseason. General Manager Ted Thompson also spoke this week, and he talked about how his evaluating eye changes a little bit from the practice field to the preseason games. They matter most, but the way they come together on discussing personnel and evaluating those players based on that game tape it requires a lot of conversation, but it's ultimately Ted's call. And I think that's where you know I have to come in and kind of mediate the whole thing and kind of talk it through. And normally, um, everything gets worked out pretty good as long as you, you talk it through. I think sometimes if you 
try to rush things and, and make make uh, uh, decisions, you know, in your own little world, like in my own little world, then you can get a little stale and a little out of sync. It's not an exact science. It's it's uh, it's a it's a fascinating thing. I wish I could bring you guys in on those meetings, but I can't. So you don't get to come. No, but it's it is a um, fascinating process, and no two years are alike. And your your problems one year is going to be different the next year, and your pluses and good things one year is going to be different the next year. So. CampCast, a Midwest Communications podcast.